0: Good morning, I'm Pastor Allen. I'm certainly glad that you're here. Uh, We were on vacation last week, Uh, most of you know. Uh, It's been actually two and a half years since I wasn't here on a Sunday. Um, So it was a little strange. I worshiped up in a church in Carolina, had a good time doing that. But it's good, glad to be back and uh, have the opportunity to share God's Word with you folks. Uh, We're in a series called Christian, It's Not What You Think. And uh, this is week five, I believe. We've got a couple more weeks probably discussing this topic. And we started off with the word Christian. Can we get that up? (laughs) There it is. Pretty familiar word. What's it mean? Well, depending on who you ask, right? Lots of people have lots of definitions, lots of meanings. Um, You can almost do anything, believe almost anything, call yourself a Christian, uh, we have Christians on both sides of almost every issue. We can fight wars with Christians on both sides. All kinds of crazy stuff can happen and Christians can do because we can't say anything really because the Bible <laughs> doesn't describe Christian. In fact, it's only in there three times and all three times it was used by non christian people outside, <laughs> to describe the Christians, kind of an insult, like a redneck. And so... Um, We don't have a definition. So you can call yourself a Christian, but do or think about anything you want. The problem is, Jesus didn't call his followers Christians. In fact, he never used the word. So we said, well, what did Jesus call his followers? Um, What did they call themselves? And it was a whole different word. And it's this word here. Disciple. And we usually think, well, there were twelve disciples. No, no. <laughs> Anybody's a Jesus follower is described as a disciple. Now, this word, we know what it means. This word has a definition, and we've been giving you the definition each week. It's someone who's a learner, a pupil, apprentice, simply a follower, adherent. So if you are a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, you try and model your life. Like Jesus, do the things Jesus would do, not do the things that Jesus wouldn't do. In fact, I put it this way. Whatever Jesus said, the answer is automatically yes, if you're a disciple. You don't say, hey, let me think about it, or maybe so, maybe not. (laughs) if you're a disciple, Jesus says it, the answer is yes. Now, two weeks ago, last time I was here, we discussed kind of an interesting topic, I thought it was. It was the idea of judging and we said, it's our business as disciples, insiders, to judge other disciples. And I know it wasn't very popular, but I think it's, it's biblical. It's difficult to do. And there was a lot of discussion about it. Hopefully it wasn't arguing with the f- fact, but uh, figuring out how we do that. But here's the really important part. It's none of our business to judge outsiders. Now, if you're an outsider here this morning, we're glad that you're here. You're not a Jesus follower. You're here for whatever reason you're here. We're glad. And uh, I think you'll have some good takeaways from what we're talking about this morning. But you can live your life any way you want. And I'm not going to say anything to you. It's not my business. Because you don't claim to adhere to the principles uh, uh, of Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you're blatantly, as we talked about two weeks ago, you know, just living your life any way you want to, I have a responsibility uh, accountability to say, hey, uh, this is not beneficial to you or to other people, or, and certainly to quote-unquote the church. Now, we started off by saying, okay, what did Jesus think was the most important thing? Make them the most important thing the most important thing. So, last thing he said be, to his disciples before he went off and was tried and crucified was this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my, there's that word, disciples. Christian, you can do what you want. But if you're going to be a disciple, my love, (laughs) your love for one another will be proof of that. Now, it's so interesting because he didn't say, it's because if you go to church, it'll prove it. If you put money in the offering plate, if you read your Bible, if you pray... Uh, if you act a certain way, if you wear a Christian jewelry, <laughs> uh, it could have been lots of things, baptized, join a church, all things that are good. He didn't say any of those. He said the proof, the most important thing you and I need to focus on, if we call ourselves a disciple, is to love one another. Now, love has lots of different definitions. I've shared some with you. Uh, how are we supposed to do that, Jesus? Well, actually, he told them the verse before this how they were supposed to do it. He said, just as I have loved you. You don't want to figure this out? You want to know how to do this? Just do it the way I did it. (laughs) All right? Oh, okay. I think I can do that. And we're going to be looking at some illustrations or examples of that in a few minutes. So the problem is, again, how do you do it? Because if we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books of the Bible that talk about Jesus' life, it's kind of confusing. It's kind of hard, uh, because Jesus seemed to act one way with some people and another way with other people. And uh, I'm not quite sure, Jesus, how you do that. There's a kind of a tension. And uh, most of us kind of lean one way. We like to, to be more, uh, you know, Bible says, you need to do this, you need to do this. Other people say, hey, live and let live, that kind of thing. And either perspective that you kind of lean toward, it still just doesn't seem right. You know, you, you just can't have no rules or you just can't be all about the rules. There seems to be something missing and it's uncomfortable and, and, and we don't quite sure how to, know how to do it. So, if we use Jesus' love as our example, how's it going to look? And it looks kind of like this. <laughs> this is my explanation of how it looks. It looks kind of messy. Because it's not cut and dry. It's not really always, always clear. It, it doesn't seem consistent. Sometimes we act this way. Sometimes we're bam, bam, bam. It's going to need do this other times. Hey, yeah, uh, that's all right. It consequently seems unfair. You know, why were we really nice to these people? And Jesus, why were you... Uh, remember the Pharisees? You know the Bible very well. Jesus was really, <laughs> really mean <laughs> to the Pharisees. And they were the church people. All right? So, Jesus, you were nice to, you know, kind of not very nice people. <laughs> and these religious people, you, you know, it, it just seems unfair. My The word I like to use the best is confusing. It's just confusing. I'm not quite sure, I can't figure it all out. <clears throat> we talk about, uh, we have a temptation to want to, to lean one way or the other, and consequently we lose something, and uh, no matter how we hard we try. Uh, for example, I can talk about some subject like sexuality, Tell you what the Bible says about sexuality, and it makes some of you uncomfortable. All right? Um, but I would almost guarantee you that even though you're not comfortable with it, you might not like to, to do what the Bible says about your sexuality. You would want your teenagers to do it, wouldn't you? That's kind of the inconsistency that we have. So the things that drove Jesus crazy I mean, Jesus drove other people crazy, but he acted in different situations. Uh, made people uncomfortable are the same things that we struggle with. But it's really important and we dare not <laughs> go one extreme or the other. We're going to look at something John wrote. He was one of Jesus' original 12 disciples. He was one of the closest three to Jesus. And the interesting thing about John was he outlived all the others, best we can tell. In fact, he outlived them like a lot. Uh, some of Matthew and some of the others were probably executed. Paul was probably executed. Someone we just kind of lost track of. And John lives to be an old man. Now the thing we, don't, we have to remember is that Jesus said he was coming back. And so they were expecting him coming back a week or two. Month at the most. a Couple months. So this is like 40, 45 years later. Jesus hadn't come back. And John's an old man. And he's thinking, well, maybe I ought to write some stuff down. Uh, Because I don't know how long he's going to be gone, when he's coming back. And so, we're going to look at what's called the Gospel of John, the book of John. It's where uh, John tells about his experiences with Jesus. Now, the fascinating thing about John is this. 90% of John is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're all kind of similar, kind of have the same stories. You get over here to John and it's 90% different he doesn't tell us about Jesus' birth he doesn't tell us all those parables Um, but he tells us lots of other things now I'm thinking okay why and uh, two reasons I come up with one maybe he had access to Matthew Mark or Luke and said I don't need to be repetitious so I'll tell other things or secondly it was just I'm an old man this is what is really important that you need to know So we're going to look at John chapter 1. Now, he starts off the book completely different than the others. Like I said, nothing about Jesus' birth. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we could plug in the word Jesus. (laughs) For in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus is or was God. All right, and we're going to pick it up on verse 9. The light who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, Justin talked about us needing to be salt and light last week. Jesus teaching that. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world, but that's a little inaccurate. Not to tell Jesus he was saying it wrong, but what he really meant was what is said here. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So that means, who's the source of all the light? Not you or I, right? Jesus is the true light. He's the source of all the light. So let me just say it this way. We are to be reflectors of the light. If you know your, I don't know, call it astronomy or whatever. The moon has no light, does it? In fact, the moon looked really cool in the the sky last night uh, on the horizon. Uh, What we see is the sun's light reflected off the moon. And so same with you and I. We're Jesus followers, disciples. We are to be light, but the light, we're not the source of that light, if that makes any sense. We are reflectors of the light, which makes it, if you think about it, a little easier. It's a lot harder to produce light than it is to just reflect light. And so that's what you and I are supposed to do. But he gives light to everyone, which means that everybody has some revelation. Somebody, Everybody has some understanding that, hey, there's more to this world than just this, what we can see with our eyes. Because there's some light given to everyone. Uh, then he goes on. He, of course, he's talking about Jesus or the Word, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. It made me think of that. I've seen a couple of these movies. One of them was a Woody Allen movie where you're watching the movie and then all of a sudden in the middle of the movie, the character, some character in the movie jumps on the screen that's in the movie. You ever seen one of those movies? I think Honor Schwarzenegger's in another one. Anyway, fascinating right and they get in on the screen and the people on the screen don't know who they are in this case Jesus actually made the movie jumps into the movie and the people in the movie don't realize that this is the person that made it made us made everything it gets worse not only don't they recognize him they don't (laughs) Uh, next verse he came to his own people and they, did, they rejected him. Not only did they, hey, we don't know who you are. Hey, get out of here. We don't have anything to do with you. All right. This is the, the creator of us saying to him, get out of here. We don't have anything to do with you. Now, interesting thing, we all probably been rejected at some point. As a teenager, you were dating somebody and they said, hey, thanks, but no thanks. I like somebody else better. We all felt rejection, haven't we? As an adult, maybe something more severe. Uh, a marriage broken up, broken up or, or a really close friend uh, uh, you know rejects you interesting thing about rejection we usually feel like we've done something wrong right if I hadn't done something wrong you know she'd still be my girlfriend uh, I'd still be married did Jesus do anything wrong no it's the fact that he didn't do anything wrong was the fact that he was been rejected and all of us at one point in our life reject him alright Because he's holy, and we're not, and we don't like it, and so we reject it. So it doesn't necessarily mean you've done wrong. But there is an option, and he gives us a a tremendous, glorious option. But to all, you know, we've all rejected him, but at some point, to all who believe him and accept him. Yeah, you are (laughs) the one that created all this. You are God. Believe and accept him. He gave the rights, privilege, to become children of God. Now everybody's a creation of God, but not everybody's a child of God. You have to believe and accept to become a child of God, be invited into his family. All right? And hopefully most of, I'm sure most of you have done that. If you've not done that, uh, we'd love to give you the opportunity to do that, to believe and accept. And then he gives a description of what it, that means. He says they are reborn, given a, a fresh start. Not a, physically, resulting in human passion, but a birth that comes from God, or we would say spiritual one. And he tells a story in John 3 about, this A religious leader comes to him, and he doesn't understand. He said, how can I enter back in my mother's womb? And he said, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not talking physically, we're talking spiritually. And it's like the old adage, everybody's either born twice and dies once, or they're born once and die twice. So everybody's born physically and dies physically. If you don't born spiritually reborn, you're going to die spiritually. It means you're separated from God from eternity. We call that hell. Uh, But if you accept and believe you are reborn, so you're born twice, you only die once. You only die physically, and then you go to be in God's presence. And so then we get to the crux of the matter, the real real thrust that we're going to talk about this morning. And he gives us kind of the best words to describe this paradox, for a better word of how Jesus loved, all right? So he goes, the word, or Jesus, came flesh, became a human being, and made his dwelling among us. He kind of uh, tabernacled or built his tent <laughs> in your backyard. We might say he moved in next door, all right? He wanted to be, you know, on our turf. He wanted to hang out with us. He said he wanted, had a desire to be close to us, you know, not God way out there somewhere, but right here shoulder-to-shoulder uh, shoulder with us. Constantly, he also wanted to be a model for us. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. You know, God's kind of vague. We, I've never seen him. It would be nice to have something concrete that I can see with these eyes that understand God. He said, okay, here I am. <laughs> you know what God's like? God's like me because I am God. Came flesh and make his dwelling among us. We, of course, in his face, he's talking about disciples have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Now, we're all children of God, but Jesus is a unique child of God. He'll mention that later. Why is he unique? Because he came to die so the rest of us could become uh, children of God. So he's uniquely the Son of God. And then here's the word. Here's the two words. Full of grace and truth full of grace and truth now we talk about not being able to see kind of reminds me of you know back in the old days when when a a lady got pregnant you 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 picked out two names right a boy's name and a girl's name because you didn't know what you were going to have now that days that's not an issue is it a couple months in they do this thing called a sonogram they can see and you know and then you only need one name right So that's the way Jesus, is. when He showed up on Earth, you know, God's kind of vague. We don't know for sure what He's like, but now we know. Now we get to these two words, grace and truth. They seem to be conflicting or in contrast. You know, grace is like, hey, I, you know, whatever you do, I'm still going to love you. Uh, truth is, hey. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. This is truth. Gotta do, do what's true, what's right. Uh, it just seems to be opposite ends. There seems to be a, a contrast. And we all kind of tend to have a leaning. All right? You know, some of us are more grace oriented, some of us are more truth oriented. That goes to our title of our discussion this, after, this morning uh, Gracie and Truthy. Uh, you see this in parents. Now, many of you know Deb and I, and some of my kids are here. And so, which one of us is Gracie and which one of us is Truthy? What do you think? (laughs) Most of you know my wife. She's definitely Gracie, so that makes me Truthy, right? I was all about the rules for my kids. Now, if you're a good parent, you have these discussions, all right? You know, when are we going to show grace? When are we going to, you know, toe the line with truth? And so there'll be some conflict, and your parents, hopefully, if you had good parents, kind of figured this, all, this thing all, all out. Not perfectly. None of us do it. Um, but let me ask you a simple question. Which one did you like best? Gracie, right? We all like Gracie when it comes to us. We like Truthy when it it's about other people, but we all like Grace, don't we? <clears throat> the point is you have to have both. You know, there's people that are called permissive parents let their kids almost do anything. Of course, that's not really good, is it? Then you've got these parents that are really strict and, and won't let their kids do anything. Well, that's not good either, right? And so it's the same thing with being a Jesus follower. It's the same thing with loving like Jesus loved. It's not about, okay, here's the line, here's the rules. But it's not, hey, just do whatever you want. And again, like I said, we're going to look at a couple examples here in a minute. Then he goes on. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Some translations say grace upon grace. Now, you might say, well, uh, John's all about grace. Now, after chapter 1, he doesn't mention, (laughs) John doesn't mention the word grace in the rest of the book, the rest of his letter, uh, which is amazing. But he mentions truth 55 times. Jesus is the truth, uh, the truth will set you free, etc. etc. So truth is just as important as grace. He's full of truth, he's full of grace, he's hundred percent truth, he's hundred percent grace, absolute truth, total grace. That's what Jesus is. Now, this grace upon grace reminds me, you ever been to an ice cream shop and they ask you how many scoops of ice cream you want on your ice cream cone? One, two, or three. You ever opt for three? You know, it's one, uh, grace, one scoop on top of another scoop on top of another scoop, until they couldn't put any more scoops. Well, that's the way God treats us as his children, right? Grace upon grace upon grace. Then he makes an interesting analogy or comparison. For the law, the truth, was given through Moses. You know, we've all seen the movie, right? Ten Commandments comes down from the mountain with the thou shalt not, thou shalt not this, you know, murder, commit adultery, Lie, steal, all those kind of things. So we all know about that. This grace and truth thing, that's a whole different ballgame. That's different. That came through Jesus. It wasn't given by Moses. He didn't pass it on. Jesus was the embodiment of grace and truth. So i like to summarize it this way. It's not the balance between. We say, yeah, we got to have a balance between grace and truth. So much, a little more of this, a little more of that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus said, no, it's, it's, not, it's not a balance, all right? It's a full measure of, it's 100% grace. You never do anything that's not grace. And it's 100% truth. You never do anything that's not truth. Now, I can't explain this to you. I couldn't think of an illustration to explain it to you. I just know that that's what it means. And as we look at the illustrations uh, from the Bible, uh, it seems that, uh, support that fact. And then he finishes up, no one has ever seen God, you know, it's like before we had sonograms, <laughs> but the unique one, that means Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father and he has revealed God to us. Again, want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked about this. If you want to know what Jesus meant by what Jesus said, you watch what Jesus did. So we talk, looked at, at that. So we're going to kind of uh, more, make it a little more specific this morning and say, if you want to know what, Je- what Jesus meant when he said to love one another, then watch how Jesus loves. So I'm going to quickly go through a couple stories from from the way Jesus loved. Uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples are going through Samaria. Now that's really a strange thing, and many of us won't think of it as strange, but Jews would not go through Samaria. They would go out of their way to go around Samaria, because Samarian, Samaritans were half-breeds. They were half-Jews. And, then, and to, to a, Jew, a Jew, that was, you know, horrible. And so, but Jesus said, we're going through Samaria. And in the middle of the day, they're at this well, and the disciples go off, and this woman comes to the well. Now, a lot of strange things about this story. One, the woman shouldn't be at the well in the middle of the day. The woman didn't go in the middle of the day. So it's strange that, that woman was there. Jesus starts to talk to her. Well, Jesus wouldn't talk to any Samaritan, much less a woman Samaritan. And so he carries on this conversation. He says, Give me some water. And he said, I can give you water so you'll never thirst again. And it's a gift. Man, that, that, that's 100% grace, right? And he says, Hey, go home and get your husband. Uh,. Sorry, Jesus, you know, I had five of those, and it didn't work out too well, and so, yeah, I'm just living with this guy. He says, you're right. And we're thinking, why in the world did he bring that up? That's truth, right? That's 100% truth. That was her situation. She was lousy at relationships. Either all these husbands died, or, you know, divorced, or whatever. She's obviously not good at relationships. And so he couldn't let that slide, could he? So 100% truth, 100% grace. And he says, go tell people in the town. And the amazing thing was she went and told them and they believed her and they came back. You know what really is amazing in this story? He reveals to her, first time in, we can tell in the Bible, he says, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you all been waiting for. He tells it to this lady. We've seen the least likely person to tell. Talk about Matthew a lot. Jesus has these, calls these disciples, these followers, you know, a couple of fishermen and stuff. But Matthew's a tax collector. Anybody love the IRS? Get a letter from the IRS. You, anybody say, yay, I got a letter from the IRS. Anybody? Now, we don't like tax collectors nowadays, but it was a whole different ballgame back then. They weren't just tax collectors, they were traitors. And there's, you know, I don't know what the penalty for, for being a traitor in our country is anymore, but it's pretty severe, isn't it? Kind of the worst things, one of the worst things you can do is be a traitor. Traitors. Jesus goes to say, hey, Matthew, you know, I know you're a traitor to, you, to, to all us Jews, but come follow me. We want one of the disciples. Now, if you're one of the other disciples, you're thinking anybody but Matthew. We don't want anything to do with this guy, and you're going to let him join our group? And Jesus said, hey, eh, it's going to get worse than that. We're going to go to Matthew's house and hang out with some more tax collectors. Well, what about our reputation? Jesus said, why, did I, why, why do you think I came? I didn't come for the, those who are well. He said, I come for those who are sick. Ground. Total grace, total truth. Two thieves on the cross. They really weren't thieves. They were terrible criminals because the Romans would make thieves slaves on boats or in, in mines or whatever. These guys were so terrible, they couldn't even afford to make slaves out of them. They had to execute them. They're hanging there on the cross. One of them makes fun of Jesus. The other one says, hey, we deserve this. This guy doesn't. And Jesus says this amazing thing to him. He says, Today you're going to be with me in paradise. He believed. He accepted and believed. And if I'm a disciple, I'm thinking, Hey, this guy has lived the most horrible life possible. And he just says, Hey, I, don't, I deserve this and you don't. And you're going to let him go to heaven? Pure grace, right? You know, the guy that was, a, we call him a rich young ruler, he, he 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 was really a good guy, and you said you had to get rid of all his riches and follow you, and he couldn't do that. And as good as he was, he doesn't get in? It's confusing, Jesus. John 8, probably the most familiar example. This woman was caught in adultery and brought to Jesus, and this group of Jews said to him, "That the law, the Old Testament, the truth is, we should stone her. And Jesus said, you're right. Now, he didn't Bring up the fact that they technically couldn't stone him because the Jews could not kill anybody. Now, Jews couldn't kill Jesus, right? They had to get the Romans to do it. But anyway, he doesn't go there. He just says, hey, all right, you're right. Anybody that's not a big screw up, anybody hasn't sinned, you you throw the first stone. And if you know the story, they all walk away. And Jesus said, "Uh, where are your accusers? He says, "Uh, they're all left. And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. This is a lady caught in adultery, right? Neither do I condemn you. Pure grace. Then he says, go and don't do it anymore. This is wrong. This isn't right. This is harmful to you and the other people. 100% truth, right? Now, we struggle getting that right, but Jesus didn't. Greatest example, if you're a Jesus follower, is you. Greatest example for me is me. I've been a, done all kinds of things, screw up in my life. And God still loves me and invited me into his family. So I've experienced tremendous grace, but also truth. Because I had to believe and accept or I wouldn't be in the family, right? 100% grace, 100% truth. <clears throat> we cannot be just a truth church. And some of you have been to other churches, right? We call those legalistic churches. We cannot afford to be an all-grace church. Some of you' have been to those. We call those liberal churches. Kind of almost anything goes. As a disciple, we have to be 100 percent grace and 100 percent truth. Do you want to know what Jesus meant by what Jesus said? When he said, "Love one another, Watch how Jesus loved." <clears throat> Why truth? Why is truth important? Because sin is a gotcha. And Jesus said, this is the truth. We talked about guardrails last year. You know, here's here's a guardrail. This is to keep you from getting in trouble. This is to keep you from harming yourself. This is to keep you from harming other people. This is to help you be the best husband and wife you can be, the best parent you can be, the best citizen you can be. But we all screw up, don't we? And sin is a, 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 a gotcha. So why Grace. Because sin has already got us, right? We all had rejected Jesus someplace in our lifetime. So we need grace. The Bible uses this analogy that Jesus is the head and we're the body. We used to say sometimes hands and feet. Now, if you know anything about biology, my arms move around a lot, I know. My head is directing that, Right? My, my, my head says to raise my arm, I raise my arm. If the head doesn't say it, I don't do it. So if we are the body of Christ, if we are his followers, if we're his disciples, again, we have to have the mind of Christ. We have to love like Jesus loved. We have to be 100% truth, 100% grace. It's uncomfortable. It's like we said earlier, it's going to be messy. Oh, is it so, gets so messy sometimes. Uh, our church leadership team's meeting this afternoon. Sometimes we deal with these, some of these messy issues. We try and figure it out. How can we be a tr- full grace tr- church? And, and it's, sometimes it's inconsistent. It seems like we're too harsh on somebody, maybe too easy on somebody else. We don't always get it right. It seems unfair, and as I said earlier, it's just sometimes confusing. But I know this. The church, us, the church in general, is at its best when it embraces grace and truth and refuses to let go of either. Can't be permissive. We can't be legalistic. We've got to love like Jesus loved. <clears throat> and back to our statement, Finish up here. If you don't know what Jesus meant when Jesus said to love one another, watch how Jesus loved. You're just like me. You need massive doses of grace and truth. And everybody you know needs massive doses. And you and I are to be the dispensers or the reflectors of God's love, grace, and truth. We'll pick this up again next week. Uh, Let's pray. God, we thank you so much in your wisdom. (laughs) You can do this. Be all grace and all truth. Uh, We struggle with it. We're uncomfortable with it. We tend to lean one way or the other. God, help us be (laughs) people in a church 100% 100% committed to grace 100% committed to truth to be graciously share the truth um, God I want to pray for anybody here that's, that's not a Jesus follower, not a disciple um, today might be the day that they consider stepping across that line accepting and believing become one of your children um, sin has got them They've, that's disconnected them from you. And it's always just one step back. Accept and believe. You can do that right where you're sitting. You don't even have to say a prayer. Just say, yes, Jesus. Uh, if you made that decision, please let us know so we might uh, be able to talk to you about it a little bit. Father God, I thank you for meeting us here in worship this morning. It's been great. In Jesus' name, amen.